Hey, welcome to Textual Healing. I'm your host, Mallory Smart. Today, I got the chance to chat with Scott Mitchell May. Scott writes gritty literary fiction about dysfunctional humans. Though primarily a novelist, he has had his short fiction and poetry featured in several publications. This is including Maldon House, the press that I run, and we have a very awkward laugh about it towards the end of the show. I think you'll enjoy that awkward and weird conversation. In this episode, we get really deep into musical genres and all the different elements that make them what they are, what's overrated and underrated, Scott's writing, and my profound happiness that I finally am interviewing someone who likes Frank Turner. But before the show, I'd like to share that Textual Healing is now offering merch. Show us that you too are a textual healer by checking out our swag and leaving a rating on Apple Podcasts after the show. For now, though, please enjoy this fun and totally strange episode with Scott. How's it going? It's actually going really, really well. I've had a great morning so far. A little work done, a little skate park, beautiful day for the first time in like four weeks, so we're doing good. Where are you at? Madison. Oh, see here it's like 45, 48 actually, but I'm in Chicago. Oh, well, it says it's like 38 here, but it's sunny, so I'm counting it. You know, born and raised in the upper Midwest, you take you take the sun where you can, I guess. I was going to say, like, somewhere around here, there's probably summer walking around in cargo shorts and everything, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, uh, uh, you, as soon as, like, March hits, you see the guy in flip-flops, cargo shorts, and a hoodie. I don't know if you remember the polar vortex. Did it hit over by you? As hard as it hit here? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a couple years back? Yeah. Yeah, um, it was just like negative whatever for mo- like a month and a half. I was on the L, and I shit you not, I saw a guy wearing that shit the <laughs> day before it hit. That's awesome. I, I know. I was like, this is peak Chicago right here. Oh, yeah. No, I've always lived like basically in a hundred mile radius outside, like around DeKalb, Illinois. Like, that's where I grew up and never quite left this area for any significant amount of time. So are you what we would call a townie? Yeah. I, How did that happen? Uh, like a DeKalb townie? Yeah, because I always associate, like, if you're from DeKalb, like, oh, you just go to school there, right? <laughs> yeah. No, my mom was from the south side of Chicago. Like, she was born in Harvey and... uh came to uh, DeKalb for nursing school at NIU. And my dad was from Mauston, Wisconsin, which is like a super tiny town. And uh, But he was good at sports, so like he got a full-ride scholarship for football at NIU. So they just met there and just kind of stayed. And so, yeah, I was a, a total DeKalb townie. And the one thing they both told me was like, don't go to NIU. <laughs> it turns out dropping out of high school, there was, no, there was that wasn't a big risk. Anyway, so I, you know, my brother went to NIU, but I don't think I ever really actually considered it. I mean, I have mm-hmm. one friend who went there, and I don't know. It didn't seem like it was that cool of a school. I mean, I was expected to go to U of I. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to say I'm the family disappointment, but you know, I'm like number four on the list of five. So at least I have one person who's shittier than me in the family. <laughs> yeah, no, I was a, I was a part of a set of Irish twins and like, I think we were in direct competition for who could like fuck up their early childhood and adolescence more <laughs> and then like pull out of it, you know? I'd like to toast us both being like into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I gave it a good shot. I gave it a good shot, but like, um, I, it, yeah, I came up to Madison when I was 18 just because, like, in my head, for some reason, like, the only two places I could ever live would be Madison, Wisconsin, or Chicago. And I, you know, growing up outside the city, going into the city for various things, like field trips, or just every time you turn around, you're going into Chicago. I was just like, I will get crushed by that city. I need to go somewhere smaller. Uh, but, like, two years of, like, just being a short order cook and not doing anything else. I was like, no, this isn't going to be the life for me, I guess. 
I really like Madison. I always thought that like, okay, I have like a list of cities I would live in other than Chicago just because, I don't know, I just don't feel like I want to settle down in the place I was born and raised. Yeah. But Madison is on that list. Madison's great. It's, uh, it's a, you know, it's a college town, which I like. It's small, but big. Shockingly progressive. Shockingly progressive, kind of big and spread out. Uh, there's always something cool going on. We got the art and literature lab up here that's been going on for a while, which is cool. You can catch readings Good there. coffee shops. Yeah. I, mean, I, I totally decide if a place is cool based on if I could find good coffee there. You can find great coffee in Madison. I will always advocate for Madison. Like, I'm a Northern Illinois guy. Like, I just, for some reason, I'm, like, contrarian. So no, no matter how long I'm up here, like, I'll always have my Bears hat on or, like, always keep some, like, dirtbag, you know, dirtbag DeKalb identity thing going for myself. But uh, it's Is that kind of, like, better. what it's like down here when people wear Packers shit? Like, is it just as frowned upon? Uh, kind of, but like no one ever says anything to me because you know I'm six three and just uh. and just kind of have like a permanent like spacey look, so I kind of look you know a little crazy. So I think people just just are like, eh, just let him be, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I, I would see that. I mean, you could be wearing like a sock shirt at a Cubs game, and I'd be like, mm, I'm just gonna let him do his thing. Yeah, yeah. So where do you fall on that divide? Uh, between socks and socks and cubs. cubs, yeah. You know, it's actually a really sad thing. I, I definitely think I'm a Cubs fan, but it has nothing to do with sports. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely feel that. I definitely feel that. I mean, I'm in a family of five, and my brothers like the socks, and me and my sisters like the Cubs. I don't even think we planned it that way. It just happened. Yeah. Like, it's funny. I don't like sports. Like, I get very distracted and very bored very easily. So, like, watching sports can be very tedious for me. But, like, I overly identify with Chicago sports teams. And I think it's like being, like, being born in 83 and having, like, Michael Jordan happen, like, in the middle of my childhood. Like, you just can't not be a Chicago sports fan when, like, for almost eight years, all your basketball team did was win, you know? (laughs) Don't you miss the days when Chicago was known for that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been kind of a drought lately, and now it's like... Uh, I think we went from, like, Al Capone, Michael, Jordan, and now, yeah, you shoot each other, right? <laughs> yeah, but they're shooting each other everywhere. Like, I was... It was just on the news the other day, and so, like, right in front of the downtown Madison Police Department, in broad daylight, there was a shooting and a murder. Like... Well, goddamn. Yeah, you know, Someone I think it's just... to, like, highlight that more. Tell Fox News, because they're really hating on us. Yeah, yeah. No, well, it's because, it's, you know, it's the, the, the big, uh, you know, liberal progressive city, and you can always say, like, well, look at what all their gun control did. It's always that silly, you know, surface-level analysis that they just sort of eat up. Yeah. I'm just digging the hell out of the fact that you're in Madison. I want to go live with you now. Dude, it's, it is it is really awesome up here. And, and the thing is, is like, I don't know. There was like a, a time in my life where I was like, oh, man, I need to get out of the Midwest. You know, and last year I lived in Vermont. Like I, we went out to New England. Uh, my wife had a job opportunity out there and I spent time out there. It's beautiful, but it's just like the people aren't, you know, it's just they say that people are nice in the Midwest. But like, man, people in Vermont are too fucking nice. Like I just I could not deal. I could not deal with these these kind of granola super, super nice New england people. And it just made me realize, like, no, I'm just going to double down and go super hard on being just straight up Midwest. Like, I write Midwest. I I love the Midwest. I, particularly the upper Midwest. Like, southern Illinois doesn't even count as far as I'm concerned. Like, It's an entirely different state. I shit you not. I mean, once you go past, like, U of I, it's like, are we even in Illinois? No, you're in the south. You're, like, straight up, you're in the south like i went uh was it camping in garden garden of the gods mm-hmm. and it doesn't even look like illinois at that point it's just like yeah it's all rocky and it's not the plain state or whatever the fuck we are yeah yeah like uh and the, and the thing people don't get about that is like yeah hills and stuff are nice but there's something super soothing about just being able to see for miles around you you know like, it's very fun to drive. Like you could really cruise for hours. 
Yeah. And then you get like, you develop super cool navigating skills. Like, Oh yeah, you got to turn by the third naughty tree. Otherwise it's just cornfield. You know what I mean? Exactly. (laughs) If you turn at the second naughty tree, you're not going to get there. (laughs) See, I always wonder if other like states have like the cornfield vibe too, or is that really just us? I I would I, I assume it's I, you know they I would assume it's just an Illinois thing but like maybe Iowa or Indiana I don't know I'd imagine uh, Iowa I, yeah. I tend to avoid Indiana <laughs> Yeah no I drove I drove out to Vermont last year which how I got there so like I went over Ooh, the did sky Did you get a ticket? No no <laughs> but I went over the sky like the sky bridge or whatever it is uh, yeah. going into was it Gary Indiana uh-huh. And and like once you get over that bridge and you're like heading into Indiana and it's like you just look and you're like, wow, this got real depressing real fast. It's just yeah, I don't even think I've really yeah I've never stopped in Indiana. Only time I stop is when I get pulled over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll look for you. I know the minute they see Illinois plates, they're like, all right, it's not like they're coming back to contest it. <laughs> yeah no see i got the wisconsin plate so i don't know i i was really lucky i have i have not been pulled over in in years and i and i do not drive well like i'm just like I'm, you're from the midwest yeah like i'm fine i can drive it's good but like i speed i you know i i'm a hazard out there i'm, I'm just a lucky guy i guess i would say the same thing um yeah i haven't gotten like a ticket in a while knocking on wood but i mean i have been in my fair share of car accidents that i so say i did not cause oh yeah it's never my fault it's always like well they didn't they were merging they shouldn't have been merging (laughs) who merges right there you know one time a kid ran in front of my car what the fuck was i supposed to do it was my car or the kid (laughs) and you try and explain that to an insurance company (laughs) Like I swear to God, there was a child in front of my car. Please pay for it. Please pay for this. I don't want to be broke again. Kid ran away. It's like, how the fuck do I prove this? That's really funny. Yeah, you tell that to my poor Mini Cooper. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. No, I I actually, the last car I got totaled, I was rear-ended, and they totaled my car. There was an Uber driver, like, trying to figure out his app while driving down University Avenue at, like, 40. Have you ever been pulled over while riding in an Uber? No. I have. That's awesome. There is nothing more awkward. I was going to say. Because, like, the whole, like, thing is going, and I just be like, I swear to God, I better get this ride free. Like, actually, I was, like, really trying to get to an appointment. I know. I saw a telecop be like, I have nothing to do with this. Do you want to give me a lift? Can, can I call another Uber right quick? I know, like, what, what is the, like, situation? I don't know the protocol. I think Uber needs to put in a protocol for that. <laughs> yeah, or at least, you know, like, a, a refund kind of a, a button. Just like, they got pulled over. Please refund this whole thing. Oh, I did get a refund, at least. They, they buy that, so. <laughs> nice. If you want a refund, insist that your driver got pulled over. I don't know how they prove it. <laughs> yeah, well... That's that sounds like a good plan, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's be like. Also, it's the best way to explain why you're late to something. Be like, it was one hundred percent out of my control. Yeah, I called the Uber. I did my thing. I was ready. They were driving like a maniac. What am I supposed to do? Yeah, it's just like, hey, they did not see that kid with the bike coming. Call <laughs> <laughs> someone with a bike that they hit. <laughs> Yeah, so you're like one of the few people from, you know, the Chicago area that can actually say you're from Chicago, right? Because that's sort of the joke where everyone says, when they're asked where they're from, and they're anywhere within 60 miles of Chicago, they just say Chicago. Uh, yeah, I, I'm actually the joke. I'm from uh, originally Glendale Heights, then Carroll Stream, yeah. and then Chicago. But I'd say that we're more 20 miles away. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's really funny when people are from like the Cal or Sycamore, and they're like, and you hear them say, "Oh, I'm from I'm from the Chicago area." It's like, dog, that's sixty miles, man. That's yeah, you're how, much further. How are you defining the word area? Be like, are you from the radius? Then you start hearing people be like, "I'm from the Chicago land area." Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, like, like, oh, you heard Chicago? I meant Chicago land. I meant Chicago land. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's really, um, uh, it, yeah, uh, Naperville. It's it's Naperville. Let's just be honest. <laughs> this is gonna be oh, an awesome I hate like people from Naperville. Yeah, this is gonna be like an awesome super niche podcast for like people from the greater Chicago area. <laughs> You know, it really will be. I think the people who are from here will really appreciate that I finally have like a Chicagoan. You're not the first Chicagoan sort of. I'm going to call you that because nice. Yeah. I'll accept it. Yeah, I accept it as myself. We're just going to say we're Chicagoans, even though neither of us are really from it. <laughs> well, what's really funny is like uh, I've been listening to a lot of um, drill, like Chicago drill music, and the only reason I got into it was because like a random YouTube video came up for like a King Vaughn song where it starts off with like saying he's with some stripper from Kankakee. And I was like, dude, if this guy's about to rap about Kankakee, I'm, I'm going to listen to this music. I mean, I would love to listen to a song that just says Kankakee. Yeah. And that was literally like the only thing that like drove me to start exploring King Vaughn was like, he just literally rapped about Kankakee, Illinois. All right, I'm, I'm in. Let's see what this guy's about. That is the most random thing ever. You know what, though? I mean, I have listened to so much music that is so random. That's what. That's why I have this podcast. It's like I've listened to music that is literally based off of like Nintendo sounds. I've listened to Harry Potter bands, all the weirdest shit. So you know what? that doesn't even shock me. Yeah, and it's it's just kind of awesome. And actually, like it opened up like a whole new genre of music for me. So now I'm like the nerdiest guy into like hardcore Chicago drill rap. <laughs> you know, I think this is actually be a really cool time. I don't know if you have it in front of you or not. How about you read out your playlist you sent me? Oh yeah, sure. I can, I can pull that up uh, real quick actually. And also why you named it, what you named it. <laughs> Um, actually the, the funny thing is it just sort of named itself and it's cause it was like the first song I, I added to the playlist. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, uh, well it's the third song on the list, but suspect device by stiff little fingers. Um, it's a, it's a, just an awesome song. So like when you asked me to make a playlist, I was like really actually kind of into it. I was like, I've not sat down and had to think about the ordering of songs or like making somebody a playlist since like, you know, mixtapes were a thing. Right. So, uh, the first song I thought of was suspect device just cause that, you know, first line is so awesome. Just inflammable material pounding in my head. It's a suspect device that left 2000 dead and getting into it. Like I never, like I've been listening to this song since like 97. I never knew what a su- what suspect device meant. And <laughs> it's a, it's a improvised bomb that the IRA would use or, you know, whoever in Northern Ireland during the troubles. Cause that's basically all stiff little fingers likes to sing about is the troubles. And yeah. I finally understood sus- what suspect device was. Very cool. Good on you. Um, you have such a diverse playlist. I'm loving the hell out of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it started with, um, I mean, there is a punk edge to almost everything, almost everything on it. Yeah. So we got Welcome to the Terror Dome off Fear of a Black Planet by Public Enemy. And this is a testament to my mom just, like, buying me tapes of when I would get interested. Like, if I ever showed an interest in anything, she just, like, supported it, didn't matter what it was. So, like, when Nirvana and everything was going on, like, I was buying Fear of a Black Planet and um, Back to Fuck Up, which is uh, the next song, Slam by Onyx, Back to Fuck Up. So that was me when I was, like nine and ten years old and just like a super cool mom was like all right sure we'll we'll buy you fear of a black planet um uh but uh then it's suspect device stiff little fingers oh bondage up yours x-ray specs bodies sex pistols buckets of beer the tossers one of the best bands from chicago i Uh, like that you put the live version yes well you can't really find this the studio version was on like a super indie release that they only did like a hundred copies of like before it came out on like long dark road or something like that. So yeah, I always listen to the live version. Mm. Yeah. Donegal express, Shane McGowan and the Popes, uh, Pogues, Tom Waits, no effects, the dead milkmen, dead Kennedys, ween primus. And, and I threw Frank Turner on there a, because that song sort of defined my post, um, post campaign manager career kind of deal. And B, because I've heard you talk about Frank Turner, like, a bunch. 
fuck yeah. See, I wasn't <laughs> sure if like you just like randomly put on Frank Turner or if you heard me talk about him. But yeah, I was listening to Love Iron's song like right before this, like the actual album. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that song, you know, a buddy of mine, like when I, uh, from DeKalb actually, like reached out to me in 2010 when I was working a bunch of campaigns and uh, that year, Democrats just lost everything in Wisconsin, and like we were just decimated. We lost the governorship, both houses of the state legislature. Like Russ Feingold lost. Like it was just a whole kind of shit scene. And then my buddy, you know, just randomly reaches out to me on Facebook after like ten or fifteen years, and is like, "I think you would dig this." And it was Love Iron song, the song, and like I just like played it on repeat, like lost sloppy crying in a dem party office. I think you would like Once We Were Anarchists, too. That's yeah. a really great Frank Turner song. I've just been like, I've been quoting it without realizing I've been quoting it to people. <laughs> well, Frank Turner's like a super interesting guy because he was like, he was in a pretty hardcore punk band before and then sort of switched Million to like... Million Dead. Million Dead, yeah. And then started, like sort of switched to the singer-songwriter folk punk thing, which is an extension of like a lot of different punk threads, which is just awesome. Like his song, The Queen, or, yeah, The Queen is Dead, something like that is really good. Like, he has a bunch of really good tracks. You want something that's actually going to blow your mind is he also started a new band recently, um, Mongol Horde, <laughs> and uh, it's a punk band, very heavy. <laughs> nice, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, uh, he actually goes hardcore into it, like, Sounds almost like Million Dead. I love it. Yeah, as I say, it's Million Dead was pretty hardcore. does it at the exact same time as doing... I don't know, it's like his most recent music is very happy. He's just like, I'm so good with myself, everything's fine. And then it kind of makes the music a little bad, yeah, in my I, opinion. I know it's terrible to say, but like, I don't know. When a, when, when, when a really talented person gets super well-adjusted, it's like, uh, oh, I'm happy for you personally. <laughs> exactly it's like i'm so happy you fixed your relationship with your parents your music sucks now <laughs> yeah kind of kind of like um yeah it's something i like i, I consider a lot because like uh a lot of my writing is very neurotic and it's like man if i ever truly get a handle on my neuroses i don't know what the fuck i'm gonna write about anymore see that's why i only say just enough to my therapist yes just to keep like a little bit repressed in here so I could use it for my writing. I was joking on Twitter the other day, uh, which is a phrase I use that can mean any time in the last five years, um, that, <laughs> uh, you know, that my therapist basically just agrees with me and then lets me talk a lot. So I probably should get a new therapist, but I, I don't want to because, you know, it's like the perfect relationship for me. I just get to talk at him and he's like, yes, that is understandably frustrating. I'm like, exactly. See, everybody else is actually very nice to me and is like, oh, okay, I totally get it. My therapist is the opposite. She will call my shit out. <laughs> it's kind of insulting. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> why do you, you have to be so accurate? I know. I just have to be like, I know I'm like totally feeding into my depression. You didn't need to tell me. Yeah, so you think I'm unaware? I went to college. I, yeah. I, I, I know what I'm doing. I know this is all fucked up behavior. You didn't have to say it. <laughs> Are you calling me stupid? That's always exactly. my that's always my bag. Like, how can I twist what you just said to me to mean the worst possible thing? She will cut me off before I even finish a negative thought sometimes. And she'll be like, all right, this is where your thinking got fucked up. And I was like, <laughs> and she'll say fuck too, because we agreed that we could swear during sessions. Oh, wow, you had that conversation? Yeah, because I swear a lot. And I always am just like, oh, I'm so sorry. Never mind. I didn't mean to say that. And then she's like, you know what? I don't give a fuck. You can swear. And I was like, okay, we're good. Yeah, it's probably a much better way to, to do it. Like, I just go in and I'm like, is this what fucking happened today, man? Can you fucking believe this shit? And it's just like expect, like, uh, expect people to be cool with it. Yeah, I mean, I literally, like, I, I don't know how to say it without actually, like, sounding weird. I taste tested. Um <laughs> therapist and i waited until i found one who's just as like able to take dark and twisty shit and understand i don't want to kill myself nice and also is cool with me talking about internet subculture understands it and also allows me to swear yeah when you can find like everything you need in that that person that that is when it can really start working and being kind of awesome 
I know. Like, it's so easy. Like, she even was like, if you really have a problem, you could text me. I don't give my number to everybody, but I'll give it to you. And I was just like, I don't know if I believe you on that, that, you know, I'm special compared to everyone else, but thank you. <laughs> That's how you win therapy. No, you win therapy with having the therapist just kind of pause for a minute and they're like, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably more true. That's probably more true when you can stump them and then they can't just come back with the, well, I see where, you know, you could think that. I swear to God, the greatest moment was like, I'll do what you just said a couple days ago. I said something and I was just kind of waiting for her to respond. And she just was like, still processing. Give me a bit. And I was like, dear God, okay. Whatever I said was really bad. That is pretty funny. That is pretty That's funny. how you in therapy, everybody. Yeah, no, now, now it's like, my mind's like, oh man, I got to step up my game. I gotta, maybe I have to actually start revealing stuff in therapy. But never reveal too much. You don't want to be involuntarily oh, yeah. thrown into it's, the hospital. It's a fine line. It really is. It's a fine line. Because like, uh, uh, one sense you want to be like, hey, I'm kind of just going to embrace who I am and like all the nuttiness that goes with that. But at the same time, you're like, but people may get concerned. <laughs> That's like why I had to seriously have the talk of, I'm going to say some fucked up shit, know that I will not harm myself or anyone else, but I'm going to say some fucked up shit. Yeah, well, and especially if it's like, you just test, like, it's weird. Like, uh, sometimes I'm just like test driving thoughts to see if I believe them or not. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, you can get in a lot of trouble like doing that publicly, like on Twitter or whatever. So it's like, I find it safer just to like, t you know, test drive them in the room where like legally no one can say anything about this. You know, I gotta say, I, I was talking about some Twitter shit to her last time and I actually saw a little bit of a grimace on her face and I was like, ooh, she judged that. <laughs> well, yeah. And because it, I mean, uh, and I don't know what you were saying or whatever, but like it's, it it gets to the point of like absurdity on Twitter at some point, you know what I mean? Where it's just like, you know, you draft a thing, you type it. And then even in your mind, you're sort of like, how can this be twisted and do something making me look like just the worst person who ever lived? You know what I mean? And it just, it just becomes like a, a very silly thing to like contemplate or spend any time really thinking about, I guess. I feel like Twitter was like founded by someone like Franz Kafka. Like that is his paradise. <laughs> yeah. We're pretending that Jack Dorsey never existed and Elon Musk is not a problem. It's Kafkaesque. It's it, yes. <laughs> the height of absurdity. <laughs> it, it really is. Uh, and by the way, Breaking Bad's use of Kafkaesque was like the coolest thing in television. Just Jesse going around saying everything was Kafkaesque. I love saying shit's Kafkaesque just because I have issues uh, spelling bureaucracy to the point where even autocorrect doesn't know exactly where I'm going with that. Oh, I can't spell bureau to save my life. Like, oh, yeah. Like, if you said spell bureau right now, I'd say, why do you hate me? Like, it's a stupid word that doesn't make any sense on how you spell it. And then you got to add just letter. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, I tried looking up the bureau dispatch the other day and, like, just to see if they were open or not, and just gave up. I was like, oh, no, this, is, this has made me feel bad for the day, so I'm done. I mean, that's why I got so excited when I heard Kafka ask. I was like, finally, I'll Fine. never have to try again. But everyone's like, oh, that's pretentious, and I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I don't care. I'll be pretentious. I'm owning that today. <laughs> like, I could spell that one. That one makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. But so, I, well, my co-host actually tried to like break it down into bureau, like you were saying, like it's bureaucracy, and I was like, yeah, he's like, it's like the FBI. And I was like, we don't have any time, with no, no time for the police in this podcast. No <laughs> space for them. <laughs> no, I. It's it's funny when you sort of misspend your whole, you you, know, you sort of have a misspent youth or whatever. Um, you find yourself like I like. Uh, you know, I have like a two and a half year old and like uh, you find yourself in conversation with a very small person and you're like, oh yeah, just don't ever say anything to the cops. And then you find yourself like in the Madison Capitol and he's like, a, a cop will come over, like when the Madison Capitol police will come over and they'll be like, hi little guy, how you doing? And he's just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, I don't, I don't got to answer that. 
I will say the most interesting thing is my sister is an attorney mm-hmm. and she must have taught me since like I was a child. She's much older than me. Never talk to the police, never trust the police. Now she's dating a police officer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is funny. And I have no idea how to deal with it except by just calling him Andy the cop. I can't call him Andy. I, I can't be like, hey, how you doing? I'm just like, he's the cop. It's Andy the cop. Uh, he's cool at a barbecue, but like, watch what you say. <laughs> yeah, you know, don't say anything about Black Lives Matter. Apparently, he has different views. Different, different views on that. Yeah. Oh, man. And uh, there, are, there are guns in the house. So, you know, don't piss them off. Yeah, no, that's always like a, it's always been like a strange thing for me, the whole the whole sort of gun issue. Like, I've never had guns, never owned guns. My mom, like, was just anti-gun, but my dad came from, like, the Northwoods. So he was like, he grew up hunting and stuff, but never, it wasn't like a big thing for him. And, like, every once in a while, I think like, man, I should, you know, I'm, I'm old now. I should, I should own a gun. And then I start thinking to myself, like, but why? Like, what, what yeah. would I do with one now? Like, I don't know. Most arguments for why you should own a gun never made sense to me. So, yeah, obviously very into gun control. But I have fired a gun once. Um, I was taken to go. It wasn't like hunting. It was like a turkey shoot. Mm-hmm. I missed. Um, I, I can't tell you if it was purposely or not. But that shit has kickback. I went back like two feet. Yeah, yeah. No, I worked for like I worked for the state legislature for a while, and there's like this group called Ducks Unlimited, and they'd have like this lobby day where they'd take everyone out uh, clay pigeon shooting. And so you could like sign up for it, pay a nominal fee or whatever. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go clay pigeon shooting. So like 20 minutes later, I got like a shotgun in my hand and like, I've never shot a shotgun before. And like, it's kicking the shit out of my shoulder. And I was like, I ended, yeah. I was, I ended up being a pretty good shot at it. But like, I was like, I, this isn't something I think I could do for a it's while. Like uncomfortable. Yeah. See, I would never be a shooter of anybody. I feel like it'd be too uncomfortable for me. No, I was telling someone this the other day, like the, legitimately the only reason I'd ever want a gun is so I could like randomly pull it out and be like, Hey, look, I have a, I have a gun like in my hand, like just to feel like a weird, like, I don't no, like not even loaded just like hey i got this cool machine thing in my hand i guess which is like the, the exact reason i can't own a gun too that and you know we do therapy <laughs> yeah yeah that's if we're having to walk that fine line then we shouldn't own deadly weapons <laughs> no that's probably it that's probably a solid point be like if you have to make sure you're not saying just enough to not be thrown in the hospital <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't be given an instantaneous way to kill yourself. This is true. This is absolutely yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So did so, you yeah. end up going to, like, do you go to a lot of shows around Chicago? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would say I've gone to most Chicago music venues. Now, I always loved the Metro. Like, I always thought the Metro really? was a super, like, just kind of stripped down, super cool venue. Like, I saw the Tossers there and... Uh, Dropkick and like um, they used I saw to, Dropkick there too Dropkick's a great show like they what really are what year did are. you go? what's that? what year did you go? oh this would have probably been Winterfest like 98, 99 alright yeah somewhere definitely in, before my time <laughs> yeah somewhere in there and it was just like a bunch of shows like I think the Nobody's played like I, I went to a bunch of shows there but there was one that had just like a huge bill and Dropkick was playing and this was right after like Do or Die came out so it was like uh-huh. early, early dropkick. And once they got their second singer, and it was just a, it was a great, great show. It really was. I'd say like the second time I saw them, it was the first time I saw Frank Turner in concert. Really? Yeah, it was at Riot Fest. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I've never been to Riot Fest, but it seems like something I would be really into. I feel like... I'm done with it. Like, I don't know. I think I finally saw all the bands I need to see that will go there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, my problem is, is like, I legitimately haven't been to a show since like 2011, maybe like somewhere in there. It just, just like dropped. Like, and I, like I used to go to shows all the time. Like, when I was in DeKalb, they had this uh, record store called Seven Dead Arson. It was just like mm-hmm. a straight up independent punk rock record store. 
and like the tossers would come play the basement, dead end cruisers, Forrest the sprinkler, like out of Mil- out of Green Bay, like all these like really niche, you know, Midwestern punk bands. And uh, I'd get to do like the soundboard for him because I worked for whiskey. Like it was mm-hmm. just like that kind of thing. And then that just grew into like going to shows in Chicago and like they, when I got to Madison, going to shows at the Orpheum. But like somewhere along the lines, it just sort of fell off. How many like concerts do you think you've been to? Just like throw out a random number. Um, just all the basement shows and then like all the venues. I don't know, probably a hundred or so. Any music festivals? No. That, well, Summerfest. Okay. Yeah, Summerfest yeah. in Milwaukee. Okay. But the fuck thing about that is, like, I went to Summerfest and, uh, you know, walked by a couple stages and then just went and watched, like, Lewis Black in the do comedy in the one air-conditioned tent that also served hard liquor. <laughs> <laughs> that, was my, that was my Summerfest experience with watching stand-up comedy. <laughs> I feel like that's almost like going to Riot Fest just so you can go on the Ferris wheel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was pretty much that was pretty much it. Like I got I was working for I was working for Uno Chicago Pizzeria on State and Gorm in Madison, Wisconsin, and won like two free tickets to Summerfest. You really made the best out of that, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm gonna play a little game of overrated and underrated. Cool. And I will name some shit. And you tell me if it's overrated or underrated. Gotcha. Okay, I think we already know the answer to this. Music festivals. Uh, overrated. Crowd surfing. Underrated. I love crowd surfing. When's the last time you did it? Uh, last time I crowd surfed would have had to been probably Pogues 2011 Egyptian. I think it's the Egyptian on the south side of Chicago. Something like that. It was their last U.S. tour ever. And I saw him on the South Side of Chicago, and I got up in the pit at a Pogue show. And I can like, you know, I have a family. I'm a very happy guy. Like, I got my shit together. I'm I'm doing good. But like, the second I went and saw the Pogues on the South Side of Chicago, knowing that Shane was probably never coming back to the states, and I got in the pit and I crowd surfed, and some random dude handed me a Guinness and just said Happy St. Pat's because <laughs> it was like around St. Patrick's Day. Like, I was like, okay, I can retire. From, I can I can retire life right now and I'd be okay. I like the fact that you really felt the need to be like, I'm a very well-adjusted person, but I had to crowd surf. <laughs> yes. No, yeah. no, I did the same thing last time. I did too. I was just like, I'm almost 30. I just need to do it right now. Get it out of my system. Yes. Yeah. And well, the cool thing about that show was like, Shane came out and just like lit a cigarette. And this was right after I think Illinois smoking ban went out. And then like the whole crowd just lit up. I love it when they just start like, Lighting up weed. Okay, yeah. wait. Weed at a concert, overrated or underrated? Uh, I don't know, man. I'll just say straight up rated. Like, I'm just common, yeah. Yeah, I'm just agnostic on it. Like, I'm not like a teetotaler or anything like that. Like, personally, like, you know, anytime I've indulged, like, I go like way, depending, like, we'll, we'll go like way anxious on it. So, like, Ooh, I just kind of yeah. leave it alone. But, you know, people can do what they want to do. I only get that way off edibles, but yeah, I haven't been. The last time I was high was like 2018, which feels like it was only two years ago, but it was really only four years ago. Wow. (laughs) Time. (laughs) Okay, overrated, underrated. Wearing earplugs. Underrated. Underrated, yeah. Yeah, You got to save those years, like for real. And I, I, I would never, like I never did it, but like now... Now I definitely would. Oh, because you can still hear. It's not like it's not like they work a hundred percent, and you know the crowd's loud, stacks are loud, everything's loud. Like I'm 39 now. Like I need to. I, I'm I'm going into maintenance mode now. 39. Would you call yourself like an elder millennial? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like the kind of the first of the millennials, I guess. Like I think the cutoff for Gen X was 80, 81, something like that. So, Do you have any wisdom for me, Elder? Uh, I guess just like, well, here's what I've learned in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and I really picked up like my skateboarding again in the last couple of weeks, which is something I've done on and off since like I was like eight or nine. And uh, the one thing I learned is like going to the skate park and watching all these kids do all this cool shit. Just like really lean into like the stuff you know you can do that you're good at and won't hurt too bad. Just doesn't, you know, looking cool about it, 
worrying about what that guy's wearing or what that person's thinking of you just like puttering around doing your thing, like they don't matter. <laughs> I do feel like once you hit 30, you just really stop caring. Yeah. Yeah. You just try not to break an ankle <laughs> and like, you know, let, let everyone else worry about being cool or figuring out what the next new thing is or whatever. Just leaning into what you do and do it well. <laughs> You know, when it comes to, like, don't break an ankle, though, like, you'll hurt yourself doing the dumbest shit. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's just me. Like, I ran into my coffee table yesterday, and I swear to God, I was just down for an hour. I was just like, leave me the fuck alone. I am in pain, and I'm processing this. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I've been, like, super lucky and never, like, broke anything. But, like, nowadays, I just wake up sore. <laughs> just wake up, like, out the gate, like, oh, yeah. Both my shoulders feel like they're about to fall off, and I have no real reason why that would be. No going to the mosh pit for you. No, no. I mean, I still would. Like, if I went to a, you know, a, a, like a, I don't know if No Effects came around or like Primus. Primus was here not too long ago, and I just missed it. Like, if I went to a Primus show, I'd, I'd probably be in the pit. Like, but it's all about, you know, going in, getting your licks, doing what you got to do, get that feeling, and then like knowing when to leave. Exactly. Okay, two more overrated and underrated. Going to a concert alone? Underrated. Underrated. Have you ever done it? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've gone to I've gone to I've gone to shows uh, before alone. I think I saw the you know I saw the Tossers alone. Um, can't think of who else I've seen alone. But yeah, I've definitely gone to. I, oh, I went to a few just like random local Madison punk rock basement shows alone because like no one was really into going to do that with me so it's just cool like you just wander around you meet people like you get to enjoy yourself and your space and not like worry about oh is you know is my friend having a good time well, where did they even get off to did they you know did they go with that sketch dude who had the thing like that sort of thing you know what I mean especially you know with girls we definitely have to pay attention to each other a little bit more <laughs> Yeah. At the show. So, yeah. Okay. Last one. Getting a band tattoo. Oh, man. That's got to be overrated. Like, and, and I not, not even like in a judgmental way, but just like, you know, I like to think about that, you know, okay. So you got that corn tattoo in 2003, right? Like, Life is Peachy was out. They were on top of, but how, you know, is that corn tattoo you now? You know? <laughs> Like, I would suggest if you're going to get a band tattoo, you know, unless it's like, I guess, the Grateful Dead, which seems to be like just ever present or something like that, like, figure out a way to get an homage to that band that you can like artistically have a hand in, I guess. Are you a deadhead? No, no, I'm not. Okay. Like, Touch of Grey is cool. Like, I'm like, if I was, I'd be like the lamest deadhead ever. It'd be like, I like that radio hit they had, <laughs> you know? <laughs> But it, it moved, like uh, Casey Jones is a good song. Like I dabble in so much like um, classic rock and that sort of stuff that like actually my band from that era is the Love and Spoonful. Wow! Like the Love and Spoonful is awesome. They wrote every song you've ever heard that you don't know who wrote it. The Love and Spoonful wrote it. <laughs> that really, you know what? I don't think most people who listen to the show are even going to know who they are. Yeah, Hot Town Summer in the City. You know, Damn. did you ever, uh, did you ever have to make up your mind? It's a wonderful day for a daydream. <laughs> Good music. It sucks because like, I would like to say that, but I know how old that would make me sound if I said that to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> that you're into the love and spoonful. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I post on Twitter, like, I think once every quarter, like you, you're, they're you decent. Your quarterly reminder that the love and spoonful are a good band. <laughs> No, I would definitely do that. I mean, I would say, I don't know if I really count any bands as like truly lame because I feel like they all offer something. But like, I, I, I've been to some like really lame concerts. I've been to like a Dave Matthews Band concert. Yeah, no, I saw Dave Matthews Band at Soldier Field because like a buddy of mine was just like really into them. And we're like, we'll go to Chicago. It'll be fun. We'll go see the show at Soldier Field. Was um, this before they got banned? I think, yeah, must have been. The The stupidest thing about that show, though, is, is, like, I forget who the opener was supposed to be, but, like, my buddy just wasn't stoked on the opener. And so we skipped the opener and just, like, partied in Chicago and then went to the show. Uh, but when we got to the show, 
we found out that like the opener canceled and Buddy Guy ended up replacing the opener. And we just, yeah, we just totally didn't get to see Buddy Guy. And it was like, I think it was Buddy Guy anyway. Like it was just like some Chicago blues legend. And I'm pretty sure it's Buddy Guy. But if someone's like, well, he was dead in 54 or whatever, like, I guess I'm wrong. But it was like, yeah, some like Chicago blues legend opened for Dave Matthews. And we just totally missed it. I mean, it makes sense. The sound would definitely like mesh together. Yeah. The only time I've actually ever, okay, only times <laughs> I've seen Dave Matthews' band has actually been in Wisconsin, Alpine Valley. Yeah, no, I, I had a girlfriend, went to Dave, Alpine. It's a, it's a scene. It's a scene. <laughs> it's a scene. Oh my God, we both said it's a scene, yeah. <laughs> it is a scene up there. I actually had a friend who got arrested at a Dave Matthews' band concert at Alpine. Like, <laughs> in such a fratty, like, atmosphere what does one have to do to get arrested oh man it, i don't know it's his it, i won't say any names but it's his story but like uh, i think he got blackout drunk and then a cop tried to get him to like where he's going and he swung on the cop and and then that's just that's just that's just game over at that point that cop clearly wasn't feeling the music <laughs> no no you swing on a cop and like in any context that you're go- you're going away for the night <laughs> Wow, that's that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> okay, so how does music kind of work with your writing? Do you listen to it a lot while writing, or uh, do you do it before? No, I I I have a very distracted mind. So like, I write at four fifty in the morning in complete silence, like before anyone's up or before anything happens. Um, but how I would say like music sort of influences my writing and 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 vice versa, I guess, is like, you know, it's just, it's the attitude of the music I've always just gravitated to, like, you know, like extreme, extreme music, like, and not like death metal, but like, you know, extreme punk rock or extreme hip hop or, you know, it, it, it has like an edge and an attitude to it that's, and the best bands that do it, do it in a way that's like subtle, subtle and it's in your faceness you know what i mean like they're not just coming out and being like you know take my point go fuck yourself that sort of thing but they're like weaving it through the entire album or building to something through the entire album and when i think about writing and i think about like the thing i want to say or the thing i want to do i think about like how you would layer you know an album or how you would layer a song or how you would structure something to get at or around something without necessarily putting your finger like right on it you know what i mean mm-hmm. no i could definitely get that from your writing definitely yeah like and, and it probably frustrates some people but like i tend to say a lot of my writing and then at the end you're like well wait what was he saying you know what i mean or what <laughs> well what happened here you know it, like it's a little abrupt but yeah it sounds good yeah yeah i, I wouldn't have published you <laughs> if i didn't like it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a that's probably a fair point yeah I mean, I, I would say I rarely have published anyone that I was iffy on. <laughs> yeah, well, you probably should. Yeah, it's probably something to, to, to avoid, you know, <laughs> just with the way everything goes these days. Oh, definitely these days. Oh, yeah, I, I read shit like a hawk. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's, yeah, and I try to be very cognizant of that stuff and, like, sort of know where I'm poking at something, but not trying to make it, like, in service of itself, but make it more of, like, getting to the point of something bad, but not writing something bad as the point, I guess. Yeah, I try to avoid things that are just antagonistic for the point of being antagonistic. Yeah, so like, take a band like the Dead Kennedys, right? And I put Let's Lynch the Landlord on my playlist by the Dead Kennedys, which I think is just an awesome example of a song that's like, I mean, it's a when you look at the music of Let's Lynch the Landlord, it's a, it's a pop song. It's surf rock, you know, run through like, it's basically the Beach Boys run through a Ramones and hardcore filter about a topic of, you know, housing insecurity in San Francisco at the time using very, very stark language to get at that, to, to get at that point. You know what I mean? And that's, that's the kind of stuff that I, I really dig when you can look at a song that's like, it's simple on its face. It's a song about like, you know, I live in this shitty apartment and my landlord's a piece of shit. Let's lynch the landlord. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But when you sort of break it down, it's 
it's super multifaceted and layered and highly satirical. And that's the shit that I just, I just really love. I like that you really did break it down into the fact that like, there are so many aspects of it that actually like come from different genres and everything. I mean, most punk actually has a lot of, uh, bubblegum pop elements in it. Yeah, yeah. And I was, like, leading up this interview, I was thinking a lot about, you know, punk rock and its its influence on my life and, like, you know, how I never really got into the pop punk thing, you know, when that blew up kind of big in the early aughts or whatever with Blink and all those guys. And I think, you know, what I ultimately came to the conclusion of is, like, bands like the Ramones and, the, and, and later the Dead Kennedys and No Effects and, like, Screeching Weasel, Mr. T Experience, these bands are all playing with pop music. I mean, the Ramones, you know, uh, have, you know, I want to be your boyfriend. Like if you listen to, I want to be your boyfriend, it's a straight up pop song. You know what I mean? Or, or do you remember rock and roll radio? It's a straight up pop song, but they're running it through their own thing. And then they have a whole catalog of other songs that are highly influential punk songs ran through with, with sort of a, a kind of a poppy feel. And it's not just pop for the service of the pop. It's using it in a way to further what you're doing. And I think like when the pop punk stuff came around, it, it, it just, and I don't go on a tangent out of nowhere about this. It, it sort of became more just about being the pop song. You know what I mean? That and also it's overly corporate. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like Travis Barker now will just basically co-sign anybody. Basically. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say I won't watch those bands. I no. will totally go. <laughs> no, they're, I mean, they're good bands. They Like, those are my high school bands. Yeah, they're good bands. They're clean. They're, clean's the wrong word, but, like, uh, well-structured, put together. It's, it's, it's tight. tight. It's produced. It's good, it's good music. But I was just thinking, you know, this week about, like, why it never sort of resonated with me. And I think that's the conclusion I came to is, like, and how it ties back to the writing is, like, it's in service of doing the thing that way and not doing the thing that way in service of something else. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite thing that you've written? Um, not necessarily. It doesn't have to be the thing that you like read. I was just curious. (laughs) Oh no, no, no. Yeah. Not necessarily, but like I was, I spent from November 14 to like March 19 writing alone and showing nobody anything and mostly writing novels that sort of thing and just sort of figuring it all out so when I wrote my first like couple of short stories the first one I ever got published will always hold like a super special place for me and it's it was called the idea of dogs and Storgi uh published it and uh the thing I really like about that story is it's three it's three separate stories written in three different tenses using three different genres almost to sort of get at this idea of like masculine portrayal in, in, in sort of popular culture. And now none of that's on like that, that sort of thing I was trying to get at isn't necessarily on the page, but the thing I was trying to do was like, okay, here's like the Hemingway esque like super short, you know, hold your feelings in portrayal of the man and, and where that gets you. Okay. Now here's like the, you know, second wave postmodern, you know, with a Hunter S. Thompson kind of wild man twist portrayal of masculinity that you get fed to you and where that leads you. And then here's like the, you know, the, you know, toxic, uh, super sort of angry, but like, but like restrained and always right kind of portrayal of masculinity that you get kind of fed to you and where that gets you. So like a lot of thought and effort went into the story and, and I thought it was like a really long shot that it would ever get published because it seemed like just such a tough subject. And like, there's there, like we were talking about before, there's bad stuff in that story. There's a depiction of domestic violence. There's depictions of alcoholism. There's depictions of depression with hints at suicide. Like it's, it's a tough story. And when it got published, I was just, I was over the moon happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I was rereading it the other day because you put it in the email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I, it's funny like how you can point out those problematic things. I don't, I don't even think it occurred to me that those were problematic. That's awesome, and that's and that's like you know we're, we're talking like, about. That's how you know it's really authentic. Yeah, and that's kind of what I try to do is like, you know, make a story about those things that isn't really about those things, but kind of like, yeah, you can. It, it just kind of rides in the background, but it isn't isn't of itself, I guess. Hmm. 
Have you been working on any new big writing? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been, uh, I finished a, a really, really, really long thing um, at the end of, sort of the end of 20, 2021. And I told myself I was going to take a break, but then I wrote another collection in that break. And then I had an idea for a novel that I've been working on. I'm about 24, 25,000 words into it. It's feeling pretty, I don't know what it is yet, but it's feeling, it's feeling pretty good. And uh, I'm really excited because um, I've been obsessed with stand-up like my whole life. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, it's a novel surrounding stand-up comics and like, um, and just sort of the interplay between family and life and road and selling out and not selling out and all that stuff. So so far, it's not about anything, but it's a lot of words leading up to maybe something. I mean, isn't that all writing, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure the exact through line yet. I'm. I'm. I'm getting. I'm getting there. I'm getting to a through line that I think will carry the whole thing. But usually, I find it around fifty thousand words. So we'll see. That's a good place to find it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Depending on how far you intend to take it, but yeah, that seems like a nice middle ground. Yeah. For me, that's my ending ground. But yeah. yeah, no, I'm usually an eighty to one hundred and ten is usually my sweet zone. I like to keep my stuff kind of less than like two hundred pages, just because I'm like, I think I'd get bored with my writing past that. Yeah, yeah. Well, what keeps it fresh for me, I guess, is like not thinking about it a lot <laughs> in the times I'm not doing it. Like I used to really um, like obsess and I don't plot and I don't take notes and I don't write things down. So I just would have a constant narrative, constant dialogue, constant thinking about stuff in the back of my head. So that way when I did my hour and a half of writing, it could all just come out. But, but now I'm, I'm sort of shifting away and trying to be more relaxed about things. So I'm finding it fun just to sort of like invent it as I'm going without, obsessing about it and we'll see if it works out i might go back to being a complete obsessive mess but you know we'll see so you don't do it where like you're just randomly hanging out and then something comes to your brain and you just write it down no 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 um every once in a while i'll take like a note in my notes app if i'm like i need to remember this specific wording but mm -hmm. uh, most of my generative like process has to do with like having a concept of like a feeling or or a concept of like an idea that I want to write around or towards and then feeling out how that, that goes. Uh, you know, like t this morning I sat down and I had no idea what I was going to write. Um, but I, I had to start a new section of a chapter and then it just occurred to me of like, okay, this chapter set in 2018, I want to write about this older comic who's, you know, what's he up to right now. And then it just occurred to me to write like a Marin esque slash Bill Burr esque slash like mashup, podcast monologue right like just three thousand words podcast freeform monologue off the off the top and and it, it came out well enough to be like all right yeah no this makes sense and i can definitely church this up and clean it up and we'll we'll figure it out but like that now to me is becoming the fun thing is like sitting down completely blank and being like every morning i got to invent it i got to figure it out mm -hmm. i like when i go on your website the very first thing that pops up is purchase my book and it's <laughs> you know most people go to the like about page or home page you're very to the point <laughs> yeah purchase purchase my book and you can read yeah well you know and i'd like to say that's intentional but i think it's just <laughs> like the way google did it because it was the last page i added but i i love that it does that. i know it's to the point like hey Buy my shit. Buy my shit i got this book out <laughs> uh, decalb illinois is a paradise what eats its own yep if i had to do it again i'd probably would choose a less wordy title but i don't know i just fell in love with that phrase and i like using what's in like i would in, say what eats its own i imagine that why what uh it's just kind of a country spin on it i guess you know like well <laughs> i'm trying to think of a, a different phrase say but like, it like in the way you like you would say the cowboy noise of paradise what eats its own okay yeah i'm gonna go I'm going to go to the country. Or I don't know. I don't know. It was, just, it was just like a, it was just like a phrase that popped in my head. And, and then like, I, I'll sneak what in, uh, in replace of that kind of often sometimes. I, I don't know. It. it just kind of stuck in my head that way. It's your random calling card. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that in like, I don't know why, but like 
most of the novels I've ever written, I've snuck in a um, a reference to the band Negative Land. There's this song, and this is going to sound way darker, and I'm not like that dark of a person, but this song just like stuck in my head from like way back in the day. But Negative Land has this song called Christianity is Stupid. <laughs> and like their whole shtick is they take stolen material, in this case, like a record of a preacher, and then like remix it into like a, a, a song. And Christianity is Stupid just fe- like features this very heavy bass and like this guy just going, the loudspeaker spoke up and said. So like most of my work will have the loudspeaker spoke up and said at some point in it. You're never going to win therapy if you think that's dark. <laughs> yeah, probably I, I, not. I'm just saying. <laughs> probably not. But no, that's really cool. I dig it. Yeah. Negative Land's a great band too if you haven't checked them out. They're the most sued band in the world. Mm-hmm. Is that a fact? That's their claim to fame. They they uh, they released an album called The Letter U and the Number Two, and <laughs> they released it like right before U two was about to like release a giant album, and it, you know they sampled they just unabashedly sampled a ton of U two stuff and like didn't clear anything and released it like the day before U two U two's album was going to come out, and then U two just sued the fuck out of them. <laughs> You gotta appreciate the the ballsiness there. Yeah, yeah, like bands like Negative Land or The Residents, where it's just like unabashedly art housey. I'll, I'll also kind of love like Mike Patton, uh, Mr. Bungle, that sort of stuff. Hmm. Well, I dig that. Okay, so you said you had something short you wanted to read before we winded down. Uh, yeah, I could read something from The Cab Illinois of Paradise: What Eats Its Own, which if you go to my website, you'll be confronted with the uh, phrase. Buy my book. Purchase that goddamn book. Oh, yeah. Purchase my book. Uh, This is a short story called, uh, quote, Maximalist. Get to the point. I can't. It's not that simple. It's never that simple. You don't understand. How can I? You can't articulate feelings in a comprehensible way. You beat around them. Right around them. You never just say the thing. Concision. That's what you lack. Concision? Concision? This world defies concision. And what's with the emphasis on concision these days anyway? What's with the abandonment of drawing a thing out, looking at it from all possible angles, really getting to the meat and potatoes of a subject, and making a concerted effort to understand, beginning to end understanding, alpha, omega, and everything that connects the two? Concision. Really. How very clean. Clean? Yes, clean. Everything old being new again and all that. No one wants to take the time anymore, devote the space anymore, and do the thing right anymore. Just the quickest, least offensive points between A and B. Maximize eyes on the page. Give them just enough of what they'll tolerate. Sell the ad space. Move on. It's also very clean. It's also very then. And it's also very now. You see? You see there. That's just it. You say a lot, but none of it means anything. You could have just said they only want concise work because that's what people are into now. But no, you had to bring some faux, edgy theory to the thing. Prove how thought out your argument is. How fucking smart you are. You just have to argue some high concept bullshit. You are not arguing my point. Well, I don't have to. Your point deserves no argument. It's tired, it's warmed over, and worst of all, it's hackneyed. It's dime store analysis of our post-internet, post-information age world. Of course, maximization and monetization are key factors in our era. That's not really the point. Well, you tell me, if if the abandonment of everything that made what we do special in the first place isn't the point, what is? You bitch and you moan and you complain and you blame and you make excuses, but the reality is you lack the will to learn to play in new, inventive, and rewarding ways. You refuse to find a way to work within the new paradigm and make it interesting. Oh, I see. This is all my fault. It's my fault that the ADHD content generation has no capacity to hang. That their entertainment is all strobe light and flashbang. What you call concision is just really coded Orwellian newspeak for lazy. You can call me a hack. You can call it pop analysis. You can call it unoriginal. And you may be right. But this return to the clean, this, this spoon-fed plotting, it's all just so damn uninspiring. God, you are boring. Do you know that? It's worse than pomposity. It really is. It's just run-of-the-mill boring. Find your way to operate. 
Find new, ironic ways to use this medium's evolution to say the things that you want to say. And yes, be fucking concise. You don't just understand. You don't understand. I can't do it. I'm a quote maximalist. I dig it. Thanks. No, while you're reading it, I was just like, wow, add some like heavy bass guitar and fuzz and heavy scream it. And that would actually be a really good song. <laughs> nice. I appreciate that. You know, give yourself an idea. No, that was really good. Yeah, that was published in uh, The Daily Drunk. Hell yeah, I love them. They're oh, really they're so great. great. Sean's been, been great to me over the years, too. See, I need to make friends with the Daily Drunk. <laughs> they're good people. <laughs> Whoa, I'm sorry. I just looked up your name and, wow, I already have the book. You submitted it. Yeah, yeah. Then, then I withdrew it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll submit you the next one. Yeah, no, I was about to say, like, oh, I'm going to buy your book. And then I looked up your name. I was like, holy shit, he submitted it. My yeah, you, bad. Got, you got a copy. <laughs> yeah, never mind. There you go. <laughs> That's no, really it. funny. It's It has nothing to do with the writing so much. It's like just so many people submit. <laughs> no, no, I, com- I completely understand. I completely understand. It's, it's, it's just wild out there, you know, so many writers, so many venues, so little time. Believe me, this is not like the weirdest thing. One time I actually had a podcast and I rejected the person right before I had them on the podcast. Oh, that's I just so didn't look at their awesome. Name. I, they even said it on the podcast. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, yeah, like, my that, bad. That's awkward right there. It was so awkward. And they're like, but I really appreciate the fact that you don't go by names. And I was like, all right, okay, you're looking at the positives. Yeah, Thank there you. you. Go. There you go. Like, my absent mindedness is a total virtue. Hell yeah. <laughs> but okay, do you want to plug anything else before we go? Uh, yeah, no, just just the book, I guess. It, it got some cool blurbs. Um, it's on Amazon or scottmitchellmay.com. Uh, other than that, nah, I think, I'm, I think I'm pretty good. Yeah, definitely go more for your website. Amazon doesn't give you as many royalties, does it? Yeah, yeah, no. And and I and I like signing them. I always do like a little doodle in the back and like a, a yearbook signature, just like to a cool person, stay that way. <laughs> oh, now I think I'm gonna buy it. I want that. <laughs> you can get you can get the to a cool person, stay that way copy. <laughs> I will. <laughs> All right. That was Scott. I hope you enjoyed our dorky little talk and his badass reading. I swear you can put music to it and it would make a killer song. I hope he listens to this and does so. You can check out his website, scottmitchellmay.com, or on Twitter at smitchellmay. I'll put the spelling of both in the show notes because they are not spelled how you think they are. As always, if you want to get to know us more, Find Textual Healing on Twitter at PodHealing and take a look at our website, textualpodcast.com. If you would like to help us out, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Check out past episodes and keep a lookout for the new ones to come every other Saturday. This is Mallory Smart. Thanks for listening to the show.